Hello, everyone. Hello. I'm Sterling Jones. I'm Ariel Campbell. And this is Spiritual Gasm. So Sterling and I are two best friends who do everything together except each other. Uh, Karen McCullough is coming on to the show. I was on vacation and I met a younger guy. That was my first post-divorce fling. And then after that, I was just like, well, wait a minute. There's a whole world of that out here? What am I doing looking for another husband? Like, Have you ever dated anybody that has had a perfect dick so you just like put up with their bullshit because of their perfect dick? <sighs> Do Which we really is gross. want the flaky fuck exactly. boys? Exactly. It's know. gross. <laughs> it's gross. They want to know the cup size so they can tell their buddies on the playground or write it down in their Spider-Man diary. It's such <laughs> a juvenile, <laughs> annoying thing. I had to put it in my profile on one of the apps. Are we annoying? Probs. Do you think people get annoyed by us? Like when we're in public? I guess we're going to find out. (laughs) But I feel like people are entertained by us. Is that what we think? (laughs) Maybe we should ask. But I don't dare open this up to the public because I don't want to hear their hands. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to know. I think that's like my biggest fear is that I'm annoying. My biggest fear too. Like if someone said, oh, he's ugly, I'd be like, whatever. Or, oh, he's blah, blah, blah. But if someone what said if someone it, said your penis was small? Um, Well, it's tiny. So it's like the size of, it's actually like a inverted penis. Do you know what that is? It's basically just like an, a belly button. It's like an elongated clit. <gasps> That's about the size Are you even allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, oh my god i also just got a weird visual i can't let's move on well you brought i did i did i take responsibility but where have we gone now <clears throat> um, biggest fear my by yeah, the way we have this ongoing viagra argument that i feel like we're now accidentally gonna ask every guest but i have a question i was thinking about this because you've gotten in my head about it and i still feel very clear that i'm right but at the same time it got me wondering and i was like what would this conversation be if we were talking about women? What are you talking about? I'm wondering what the equivalent, if, if what is there for women? Because I'm sitting oh, here talking. Oh, woman Viagra. Yeah, because I'm, I'm <clears throat> saying, like, I have my very clear thoughts on this, but also I'm not a man. So then I was trying to put myself in the man's shoes. And I was like, well, I guess I would only know that if I was, to, like, what is the female equivalent? Is there one? I don't know. Uh, well, because our amazing producing team is so on it, they're saying, yes, there is. There, there are is. women Viagra. What are the names? What, what is this? There was Mystique for women. Mystique. And Zygasm were the top two. Thigasm? Zygasm. Zy. Like a Zygasm. Zy, like xylophone. <laughs> is it weird that I stared in your eyes when <laughs> I just did that? Zygasm. Zygasm, like the Zeitgeist. Yes. Okay, um, that's interesting. I kind of F- like psygasm better. Are to they be FDA honest. approved? I think so. Okay. Should I invent psygasm? No. Should that be the name of our show? No. <laughs> God. Spiritual gasm, the spinoff. Psygasm. Coming soon to. Okay. Uh, skin and Ariel stayed up really late last night, everybody, and it is it's it's I'm ever all, present. I'm holding pita chips in my hand because I won't let you eat I'm while waiting, we're recording. Because I'm waiting to eat them. I'm holding them in my hand like bird food. <laughs> uh, anyway, so what does it do? What does it do for women? I'm so curious about this because obviously for men, it, it 
gives them an erection, but like, what are what is it for women? It boosts like your estrogen levels. Okay. Boost estrogen boosts levels. Your, uh, sexual desire, according to their summaries, on so, best female sex. Are people are people able to hear this? Can they hear you? Um, so he just said, he just said that it's a sexual enhancement. It gives you more estrogen and now he's coming. To uh oh, he's mic. giving, this oh, is some good go. information. This is good. I'm into this. So Matt is our, one of our intern editor producers who's getting his debut on spiritual gasm right on, now. On Psygasm. Hello. On, and giving us some information about female Viagra. Yeah, so it's uh, it boosts your estrogen, it boosts your sexual desire. This is all also according to bestfemalesexenhancement.org. So I have oh. no idea if that's a, a fact. Maybe the or next time we legit. have a sex doctor on, we should ask them about this. Yeah, because I think... I'm kind of surprised we haven't, actually. I feel like... I don't know if those are FDA, like... Uh, or if right. it's like someone's blog. Right. Because there's vitamins you can take. I know that. Like, you can take vitamins Well, I was going to say, when it says the estrogen thing, that sounds more to me like a a daily thing versus like a, Ooh, I'm about to have sex. Let right. me pop this pill. Yeah. But what would woman, what would a woman need to do? I don't know. That's why I'm wondering. I'm like, I'm wondering, does it make her Labia. horny? Does it like lubricate her? That's what I'm saying. I don't know if there is the equivalent <gasps> oh. unless we invent it. Wait, you should definitely invent a l- pill that does self lubrication for females. So then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Cause I have a friend, she is very dry and it hurts. <laughs> she is very dry. And it hurts her and she How hates do you it. Know this? She said it. It's like one of her she vagina problems. Very, very dry. <laughs> She's very dry. <laughs> yeah. Is that appropriate to say? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't want some, anyone ever to say that about me. But well, I'm not naming her name, no, April. <gasps> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. That actually really got me off guard. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, April, uh, like April O'Neil. Uh, anyways, all right. I feel like this. we need to look more into this. I'm curious. Okay. Maybe I'll we'll, we'll do some research. But you know who we do mean, have on the show today? Uh, someone I who I am obsessed with. Are you? Yes. I have seen every single one of her movies, and I have been dying to work with her. She is a... Comedy genius. She is a... I would even say rom-com. Rom-com. Exactly. Which is she short for I romantic comedy. This is true. Yeah. She did small movies like, mm, I don't know, Legally Blonde. No big deal. No big deal. 10 Things I Hate About You. Hello. No big deal the best she writes these at her laptop and puts them out oh i thought she wrote them on a scroll well i didn't want our listeners thinking that we had reese witherspoon because as of that point we haven't listed that she's a writer oh okay she is a writer everybody and people turned off just kidding (laughs) everybody's like it's reese witherspoon oh my god yes Uh, we're having reese on just keep listening yeah yeah uh no we have just as good, if not better, Karen McCullough. She's amazing. She's amazing. I can't wait to talk to her. Let's bring her on. Let's bring her on. Karen? Hi. Uh, Karen McCullough is coming on to the show. G- if give you us, guys yeah. don't know, she's pretty awesome uh i would wrote say and produced things like the house bunny 10 things i hate about you legally blonde ella enchanted she's the man the ugly truth crazy kind of love all those movies that you know were just i don't know huge. yeah no big deal no big they deal. just like affected me through the years but no big deal i think you can arguably call her the most successful romantic comedy writer of all time of all time <laughs> oh 
there she is. There she is. <laughs> you can call me that. I think, why can't we? Oh, I don't think it's true. You can call me that. I, I'm true. calling you that. I don't, until I get proven otherwise, I think you do write Aww. the best romantic comedies. You're pretty well, awesome. You. You've, you, you've carved out a generation of enjoyment through, of, of, for, through these movies. Like, do you, you. you don't see yourself as that though, huh? Oh, I mean, I, I like the movies, but I don't. It's just weird to say of all time or you know most successful. Those are, those are big words. Well, I'm going for. I'll say. <laughs> well, it. you Karen don't have McCullough, to say it. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. I'm saying we it. We think you're major. Thank you. So, Karen, you have written all these amazing movies that uh, make people laugh and think. And is there a through line through all your scripts? Do you have a goal? between like script to script to script like do you have an overall arching goal of like i want people to xyz like uh not intentionally but in hindsight i've realized that a lot of the themes of the movies are don't let anyone else define you Mm. so that kind of seems to be the overarching but that we didn't do that on purpose yeah that just kind of happened that way so i guess that is you know, right. something we believe right. in. Right. And uh, what about the rom-com element with like, you know, there's such great male-female relationships in, in your movies. Well, obviously that's pure fiction because that doesn't exist in real life. <laughs> no, just kidding, just kidding. But, uh, I, I've met a few, or I've met some, yeah. But no, I feel like, do you, do you mean like the, as far as like... Well, just the, I mean, part of what, I'm a sucker for a good rom-com. So, like, I mean, I love your comedy, but I think also what I love is that in these stories, there's, like, the rom-com elements, whether it's the guy that's not right for you or the the person you didn't even know existed is suddenly there or, you know, whatever the kind of theme is, I just, like, love. I'm, like, a sucker for snuggling in watching, like, you know, a rom-com. Oh, me too. And, I'm so glad they're coming back now. Me too. It's like my favorite. Right. Um, so that's superheroes for so long and now we get rom-coms again. <laughs> Yay, bring back the 90s. Exactly. <laughs> who, who decides that? Like who decides, okay, rom-coms are welcome back or is it just that's, history well, repeating Netflix itself? has kind of decided it now because they're doing really well with their original rom-coms. Okay. So now they're making more. Yeah. Um, and because Netflix is doing well with them, now studios are starting to be like, oh yeah, we should start making rom-coms again. But, yeah. And then um, it's it for some reason there was somebody at some point about 10 years ago that were like, ah, oh, rom-coms are over and everyone kind of went along with that. But now that like the world is kind of a horrific place to wake up to every day, we need like fluffy, nice, hopeful, romantic tales to entertain us. Yeah. And did you, did you notice a decrease during that time with your job? Like, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And did, yeah. and what did you do? In- I started rewriting other people's action comedies for them and. You know, because it was for a while that was kind of the only comedies getting made. But, wow. Yeah. But yeah, so I was like branching out to different things. Do you find like, because are you single now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find dating in LA hard at or at all, or is it something that you're just like? Yeah. I mean, well, it's easy in the sense that there's a million people here. Yeah. But that also makes it hard too because everyone's more distracted. So until you really find someone that you're like madly in love with, you're still going to always kind of like be thinking, oh, should I be seeing that person too? Or should I have another guy on deck in case this doesn't work out? Like it's a whole Why are you game of strategy. Like what the fuck, Sterling? <laughs> I just look, I didn't do, I'm sorry, keep going. No, it's like you have to strategize the the whole thing. Like So rude, if you man. think you, If you think the guy you're seeing is seeing someone else, you're like, well, then I should be seeing someone else too. So it's... So many games. Yeah. I hate these games. Yeah. I hate these games. But also because of 
traffic. Like, you know, if you're seeing someone in Santa Monica, you don't get to see them three nights a week because they That's have to drive true. two hours to get to you. So Nobody crosses no. the 405. So, yeah. <laughs> That's what no, I'm actually looking for. Thing. I'm looking for like that's a, a, a guide's date that's like in Santa Monica. So it's that perfect. You want the distance. I want the distance because <laughs> that helps my anxiety a little bit because I guess I have commitment fears. I don't know. Do you care or have a preference about dating someone in the industry? I've often said that I steer away from that just in terms of like people who could hire me. Like, I'll date an actor, and, you know, I had a boyfriend who was a camera operator for a while. Right. But if it's, like, a producer or a director that could maybe not give me a rewrite job because I've broken their heart or they've broken mine and they don't want it to be awkward, then I would kind of stare away. But that, That's honestly, smart. that situation's never come up. Smart. I think all those guys want to date 25-year-old girls. They're, they're not looking for me. <laughs> no, that's interesting. I think it's funny. I think very similarly to that as well. And sometimes I've wondered if I'm being too cautious because I have a lot of girlfriends who have dated producers, even like they've started dating from a f- film we were doing. And I've always kind of cautioned them, been like, I would never do that. It's your choice. I'm not judging, but I'm just saying it. And it's always like worked out for them. And sometimes I'm like, am I being too cautious? Because yeah. I'm like, because I'm always saying no. I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, like I'm like squeaky clean when it comes to like mixing business with dating. Yeah. And my my best guy friend recently just gave me a big lecture on that. He's like, you're limiting yourself by having that outlook. That's what I wonder. And then when I hear you say it, I'm like, that's how I feel too. Yeah. It's like, it sounds smart. And then at the same time, people are like, well, if you're a kind person, it shouldn't matter. Right. And I don't know. So I haven't been able to, I haven't been able to cross that bridge yet, but I wonder like what kind of fear that is in me. That's, scarcity. That's doing that, you know? Yeah. It could be scarcity. Because what does that mean? Meaning like if you do cross line or something, then they may stop you from getting a job. Right. And so that's. And like, maybe I'm worried that it worked out for my girlfriends, but it wouldn't work out for me. <laughs> like maybe they didn't get screwed out of a movie, but maybe I will. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever dated anybody that has had a perfect dick? So you just like put up with their bullshit because of their perfect dick? Yes. What is, what are you doing? You're doing a noise, right? Ariel's doing a noise. <laughs> Cause it makes me sad. What? Cause I have two. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I didn't know if you were making... No, it's just sad I, because it's so hard to walk away from a perfect penis. Can we talk about but that? But wait, wait, wait. Can Let's we talk, talk about that? But wait, yes, we can. But let me be very clear because we had this conversation the other day and we... Here's the deal. <sighs> My version of a perfect penis is different than another woman's version of a perfect penis. Oh, so yeah, 100%. To every man listening, we are yeah. not judging your Any, penis. Right. Yeah. Because to each their own. To each their own. I think that's very important because we got into a conversation the other day and it was like, I think we accidentally offended a few people and we were just trying to share our preference. Like some guys like big breasts, some guys like small breasts. There's the And we don't want to encourage guys with perfect dicks to behave poorly just because we said we both put up with it. Exactly. Because that's not something that I make a regular habit, but I. I It's something we're secretly ashamed of. Right, (laughs) exactly. That's something I plan to do ever again. <laughs> it's really because I yes I think I think that's a very identifiable thing. I actually do to have a, a a gentleman caller, and he's not the type of person that I would ever date. And he's not even funny. I fake laugh the whole time I'm with him. But you just want to get to the good God stuff. Damn, he's got the perfectest dick I've ever For seen. For you. For me. For you. Yes. Yeah. It's like, hard. It's, it, yes. Literally. It is. It's hard. Literally. It's colored right. It's all it's there. It's circumcised. And it's like I literally just I put my finger over his mouth. I'm just like shh. shh, shh, shh. 
and let's just let's, let's just put get... a bag over your head yeah i mean he's not ugly he's very attractive no i believe that just... you date very beautiful people oh man his dick <laughs> it's uh, hard it's, it's so i keep saying that but it's true is there any other have you ever dated a guy that's like the qualities that you will forego because of a certain thing like is there do people do you have that area where you're basically i was over, still thinking about the perfect oh, dick sorry okay. <laughs> what, what over, was your question willing to overlook certain things because of x other stuff is well good? to me honestly to me that's called love I think my, what I'm like learning to do is not, I think the thing about relationship is being willing to compromise, but the part that I'm learning now is knowing yourself well enough to also set your ground and set your boundaries and say, these are things I'm not willing to compromise on. And so I can't settle for that. And I think for me in the past, like I would settle for things, confusing it with the fact that I was compromising and all in the name of love, you know, because I cared about this person and love this person. So I would like let these things slip to the side thinking I was compromising and learning how to be in a relationship when really I was just fucking settling for stuff that wasn't right for me. Yeah. What about you, Karen? Yeah, I think it also depends on what you're looking for at the moment. If you're looking for a husband, then you're going to be less tolerant of certain things. If you're just looking for, you know, companionship and laughter and sex and you know someone to see regularly but you're not planning on marrying that person then you're gonna but don't you think that ladder could lead to marriage like yeah i mean yeah for sure you know because it's so carefree and in the moment if you're finding a partnership with that person and that keeps evolving like to me that's kind of the perfect setup yeah to move into marriage you know like not something that i don't know sometimes i think we are we're so like with these apps and everything else, we're so quick to go like, oh, well, this guy I could fuck around with. Well, this guy I could marry. Well, this guy. Right. And I understand why. I mean, I'm guilty of that too, so I get it. But but I have to really check myself and and tell myself to come back to the moment because the truth is with all these guys I've been dating, I'm learning so much about myself. Yeah. And I feel like it is without me even knowing it or understanding it, it's like moving me to the next place. Yeah. And I feel like had I said no to these guys because they quote unquote weren't my husband or something, mm -hmm. then I'm actually only just like prolonging my own growth, right. you know? So sometimes I think if we don't put so much emphasis on like, well, this is husband material. Well, this isn't. I don't know. I think it could like lead to more happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I first got divorced, I had been married like my entire adult life. Oh, wow. When and did you get married? I got married at, right out of college at 24, but we met when I was 19 at a fraternity party. Oh. So I was with the same man from 19 to 43. Wow. And then I became single. And at first, I just wanted to find another husband right away because that's all I knew. I just wanted to like check that box off again. But then, you know, I'm sitting there having dinner with people that I like, I didn't even want to finish the appetizer with, let alone, you know, have sex with a Mary. Like, I was just like, oh my God, there's so many boring men in the world. What do I do? Like, I gave away <laughs> half my money to, to have these conversations. <laughs> like, it was horrifying. Um, was your ex in the business or no? No, no, no. Okay. Um, but then I, um, I was on vacation and I met a younger guy. And that was my first post-divorce fling. And then after that, I was just like, well, wait a minute. There's a whole world of that out here? What am I doing looking for another husband? Like, you gotta have some I've been fun. locked down for years. Like, yeah. So then I started dating guys without the whole filter of 
is this my next husband? Yeah. And it just opened up a whole world of guys that I would have passed over that were great, that I had a blast dating for a year or two there. Yeah. Two years here that, um, you know, I never would have met had I had my checklist of what my next husband is going to be. So I'm really glad I opened up my mindset to that. Yeah. But now it's like when I'm on apps and guys are like, oh, what are you looking for? It's like, that's such an impossible question to answer. Like if a guy's like, are you looking for a boyfriend? I'm like, dude, I don't know if you're boyfriend material. I can't (laughs) answer that. Like, um, but you know, of course I want to find love again. But in the meantime, I want companionship and laughter and someone to do fun stuff with and regular sex and all that. But it's like, you know, it takes me a while to fall in love. I'm not going to yeah. jump in love. Like Yeah. That, to me, that's like you have to go slow to go fast. Yeah. Like when you're actually talking about love, the slower you go, the faster it becomes. You, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like that. It takes work. Mm-hmm. Do you have a comment on uh, the status of men today that you you experience that you come across? Like, is, or But also women today. Or sure. I like, like I just feel like I want to hear your opinion on the current uh, status? Like what, do you have a gripe? Do you have a compliment? Do you have anything to? Well, I don't want to generalize, but I think I have figured out in the past year or two that men will say things that they think you want to hear that they don't necessarily mean. And maybe they're not, maybe they're not doing it with malice. Maybe they're just getting caught up in the moment. You know, can we, can we get specific? Because as for our listeners, this is good. We like I like to give examples so people can learn, like what we're talking about here. So what's what's an example of that? You go first. Uh, I want to be with you until the end of my life. Okay, right away, like on like fourth date or something. Yeah, and then you not fourth date, but you know, yeah, early first month. Yeah, right. And they're saying that in the heat of the passion, and they're just once they yeah, and then it's like up to us to stay grounded and balanced, and and like. Then it's like that weird thing where it's like, well, I don't want to call them out on it because I don't want to shut them down. But at the same time, I have to be smart enough to know that they're just right. in the moment and I have to stay grounded because if I go woo woo with them, then we're like off to being 80 years old, even though right. we've just met. Yeah. That's I mean, the there's a that thing. I find annoying is it's like and then you they prob- think they're being sweet and they're actually asking us to be the responsible one in their little like swirl. And the problem is it's very nice to hear. And you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. This person's so awesome and he's crazy about me but I've learned it it's I call it smitten talk when a boy is smitten whether it's with your brain your soul or your lady bits like he will say things in the moment that he might not necessarily mean so you have to filter out what's smitten talk and what is actual fact but it's very easy to get caught up in the flattery and the intention of smitten talk and then you, but you will end up disappointed if you let yourself believe that. Hundred percent. That's you, the part I mean by staying grounded. Yeah. Yeah. How do you know what to? I mean, maybe my spit and gauge isn't the best. What I mean, how do I know when I'm just being like jaded and cynical? So I'm just blocking off something that they're saying, opposed to taking it for their what they're actually saying, or you know, like do you? Ever, I mean, that's the hard part, and that's yeah. where I fuck myself over a lot of I times because I'll be like, oh no, he does mean that. Right. Like, like you're. Like, yeah. yeah. So, like, I've experienced this too, and honestly, I'm gonna come clean. I've also been the smittener, mm-hmm. where I notice that I'm like, why did I fucking say that? Mm-hmm. Like, and it, honestly, and this sounds really disgusting, but it's pre like pre coming. So before I've released, my brain will come up with certain things that I don't even know if I believe it true. Like when I'm heavy making out in a session or something or session or like a makeup, you know, hooking up my I will say stuff that I'm just like 
whoa, that could be misleading and mm-hmm. I need to be careful. Well, because you're a smitten talker. I'm a smitten talker, yeah. but not, but I'm also on the other side more often where I'm just like, mm-hmm. wait, do I believe what they're saying? Cause if actually they're being honest, then that's really sweet. But at the same time, like, how do I know he's actually going to think that after he comes? I make it a point to like, to hopefully like I, and I've been doing this all along. I don't know if I still do it. I should be more cognizant of it. But instead of saying, I love you in the heat of the moment, I will say, I love this, or I love what you're doing. Or, you know, I try to categorize it so that I'm not just making a blanket, I love you statement to someone that I'm not in love with yet because it's the heat of the moment. But, you I know, sometimes great. when things that get great. hot and saucy, you know, you're. You're saying things, but yeah, I always See, kind of stick, a, stick find, an extra pronoun or something in there. You yeah. know? I love that. Yeah. For me and my experiences, I've found that it's not when we're heated in the moment that they're saying these things. When we're in the heat of the moment, to me, I think that we're actually like quite connected and just kind of in the moment. It's more like if we're at dinner or in the pool together or on vacation or something, and it's like they're just like having conversation, and and I think they genuinely are excited because it's like a g- great moment together and then that stuff comes out like well when we're 80 da, 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 or like well our kids names should be this and i'm like that's a big in, one in that's, my mind i'm oof. like bro you can't even talk about marriage with me like right. you're jumping to babies because you think that's what i want to hear i don't you know what i mean but again i'm not saying this to him because i want him to have his little happy moment because mm-hmm. who am i to take that away but guys but let that my be mind, a lesson i have to i just literally i smile and nod and just like pat his cheek or something because i'm like there's nothing i can say which right isn't now. condescending at all but, well what i mean what it, I but just, no i, I think mean it's it a good... like a child i meant like i just show him affection but i'm not like gonna go into i'm not gonna be like yeah let's name her amber right like right. I, I don't but I guess for me, it's it's those challenging moments where it's like normal conversation. Yeah, that I, I know. I, it's like your brain wants to be like, yeah, well, we'll see if we get there, dude. But exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you say it, it kind of ruins the moment. Like, exactly. If I, you continue to be charming, perhaps we will bear. And, and by the together. way, I'm sure yeah. some women do this to men as well. I don't think that this is like gender specific, but it is a very awkward thing to go through yeah i think i think there's guys listening right now they're just like holy shit i'm a spit and talker <laughs> yeah like i bet some people are having some realizations because and i'm we... sure my exes are hopefully listening because okay. <laughs> <laughs> they've all said some shit where i've been like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right but your half of your heart believes it or like it's no, to be true here, at the moment no here's the you part you want to believe it yeah, yeah that's want. the thing you want to believe it but somewhere deep down inside your intuition knows otherwise and then it's the moments when you're finally broken up that you look back and you go wow i did know that but i didn't want to know it at the time mm-hmm. but i think deep down you do it's just a matter of are you willing to truly accept it yet or not or are you still having fun i think your i think your uh, example is a very clear one to even examine because if you're laying if you're on a holiday and you're poolside having some cocktails and the guy you're dating says i, I would love to have two kids and we'll name one of them amber and it's super sweet and innocent and genuine. And like, it's, he's probably coming from a real place, but guys, you have to realize that those are words that require action. Yeah. (laughs) They require a lot of action and it's really sweet of you to say at the moment, but you have to take into consideration the person that's receiving that at that time. And you have to be responsible for those kind of this is so weird. I'm having deja vu right now. I actually had a dream last night that we were talking about following through words with actions. Swear to you. Well, this there you is go. just coming to me right now. But like how how people can be 
so words can flow out of someone's mouths and yeah. sometimes they forget the responsibility of the word or that it actually like the other person is then expecting an action. Right. And if that doesn't come, that's like devastating. Yes. Well, yeah. I get bummed out when like guys will talk about making plans, but then there's nothing actually on my calendar. So I have to explain to them like, it's vapor until it's on my calendar. Wow. So like yeah. you're talking about like, let's hang out next week and do this and that, but what? it's not going to happen until it's written down here because right. otherwise that's just right. boy chit chat. Yeah. I'd love to see you. Let's meet up. Okay, cool. What it, what's right. your schedule? Like, yeah, I'm pretty, you know, it's just like guys do that. I experienced that in my community as well. It's like no one will put something on the calendar. Right. It's, and that's very LA though. Too. To me, it's a form of rejection mm -hmm. or at least I take it as that. Like, cause yeah. I feel like I know what I would want if I was, attracted to somebody i'd right. be like are you free on the fifth at right ten, you know exactly. seven o'clock whatever like i would give specifics because i find that to be an attractive quality but so many guys they're just like yeah let's do it let's hang out let's grab mm -hmm. coffee sometime it's just like and i think it's also like um an unconscious way or maybe it is conscious on their part but to me i interpret it as i don't want you to take me seriously karen if i was serious i would make a date and make a plan right i want you to think of me as a flaky fuck boy because i'm incapable of making a plan actions speak louder yeah. than words yeah so that to me is them telling me like they're just yeah a flaky fuck boy, a flaky fuck boy. <laughs> so you meet them where they're at and then you go make plans with someone else right. and then they're like wait why aren't you available this week oh i don't know i filled my calendar with people who aren't flaky fuck yeah boys. but you right. know what it makes them want to even more <sighs> Do Which we really is gross. Want the flaky fuck exactly. It's know. gross. <laughs> it's gross. I people should. Will you write us about this? I feel like we could talk about this for hours. I flaky want, fuck boys. All of it. All of it. I want men and women. Are there input any on good this. qualities about flaky fuck boys? Do is anything ever no. come good of, from that? Should we can like? Is there? Honestly, guys, this thing. I think it depends on what age you are. Okay. I really mm -hmm. do because I think if I was in, when I when when I was in my twenties, I think I could have had a lot of fun with flaky fuck boys. I was like very very like almost too responsible in my twenties. I had a lot of responsibility, so I don't think I allowed myself to have as much fun as maybe I should have. And so then in my thirties, I was going through a really tough breakup, and I was like, well, I never had fun, you know. Like I just want to. I don't need you know. And all these guys wanted to date me, and like be my boyfriend. I was like, I don't need that. We can just have fun. And they're like, huh? And I, and I thought that that's what I wanted or needed. And then very quickly I was like, oh God, I feel, I can't do this, you know? But I, but I feel like that's also because sex in my thirties has become something totally different than sex in my twenties. And that's not to say you can't have connected, amazing sex in your twenties. It's just, I think literally about natural evolution. Like who I was in high school is not who I am in my twenties is not who I'm in my thirties. And so I feel like flaky fuck boys in 30s, 40s, whatever it is, like depending on your time in your life, I think that has more to do with it, you know, than actually like just the yeah. thing itself. Yeah. I mean, I was married my entire 20s, so right. I didn't get to live my 20s until I was in my 40s. Exactly. Which was actually better because I, you, you know. You knew what you were doing. Exactly. <laughs> what do you, what do you mean? More comfortable in my skin. Yeah. I was like, you know. Yeah. I had, you know, my own money, my own career, my own house. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. Or like maybe after your divorce, if like right. a boy is perfect, but then eventually, yeah. So I think it's just about the timing of like the evolution mm -hmm. of where you are in your life. I actually share yeah. that with you. My 20s, I was in a relationship. So my flaky fuckboy session has been my 30s. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it worked out better that way because my 20s, I feel like, I don't know. I, I, it is a course of evolution because I'm better prepared and well equipped to handle 
flaky fuck boys because I know what the what they are and what right. the whole game is and everything. So I'm able to concept it all better and able to understand it and not get hurt. I guess it's all protection for me. I mean, uh, recently mm-hmm. there was one that I met on an app and uh, we had two dates and he seemed really great. And he was texting me like, you know, 20 times a day. <laughs> and he literally just tapped out in the middle of a conversation about when we were going to see each other again. Like he just disappeared and two days went by with no contact. And like, he'd literally been texting me 20 times a day for two or three weeks. Did at you that get point. nervous something happened? I blocked him. I was like, fuck this guy. Yeah. Does but, he expect me to be waiting for him to come back? But in no way, shape or form, did you think, what if something happened to him? Maybe he like... No, because we had a mutual friend and he's like, oh, he does that to me all the time. Like I'll text him and I'll answer a week later, like nothing happened. And I was like, well, I don't put up with that. So oh, I just, got I it. blocked him and I got never it. thought about him again. But I was like, yeah. no, I'm not. No. Got it. Getting blocked. That's harsh. It's really harsh. I've only, the only time I've ever blocked someone was on Instagram. And then, but I actually told it was someone I had been with. And I told them first. And I said, look, I'm not blocking you because out of spite or anger, I'm blocking you because. I really cared. I I believe we're at the end of our relationship, but Instagram is addictive. And for me to like truly heal, I need to just give myself space. So I'm not constantly looking at like what you're doing and what you're, so I said, this is a hundred percent about me and my healing Mm -hmm. and I wish you the best. And I'm only telling you because I don't want you to think this is out of fuck you. You can think whatever you want, but at least I know I'm telling you this. Right. But it really did. It just like automatically put my mind at peace. Like I wasn't like, Damn. oh my God, is he with someone else? Is it, it just like gave me this weird sense of peace where it was like, okay, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like this like layer of protection where it's like, just stay focused on you. Don't go look at what he's doing. Don't go, you know? And he couldn't see what I was doing. Yeah. And it just was like this little safe bubble. And I don't know. I really like it. Some I think that think, is healthy because you don't want to see pictures of an ex keep popping up. And yeah, it's just like I feel like it interrupts the healing process. Yeah. And then eventually, great. Hopefully you guys can even maybe be friends or at least be kind and it doesn't need what it once needed. But in the beginning, I just feel like it's hard. Yeah, it's hard on both sides because I recently got blocked. I, yeah. What did you do? Uh, I, and he blocked me on all of them. He blocked me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even the, I created another Instagram to reach out back to him and he's blocked that one too. Uh, I would have, you, stalker Sterling. I would have thought that you had created that to secretly spy on him and not tell him it was you. I, I could, my emotions got the best of me. Uh, he, and I, he dumped me because I wouldn't be with him, which is a weird thing to say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he wanted to be in a relationship, and I wasn't able to give that. So he said, I have to go. And I didn't know Can he I meant... Can I say something, though? Sure. I like that he did this, and I'll tell you why. I'm, I'm sure it did hurt. It but, still hurts. Well, I'm sure it does. I miss him. Right, <laughs> but he's giving you a dose of your own medicine, and he has self-respect because... This is not the first time that you've dated a younger guy, had them fall in love with you, and then you'd be like, sorry, I can't date you. I, I just I can't be your boyfriend. I just want to be honest with you. That's like... I had an issue with our age difference, and uh, he was not buying into it. And uh, he was like, I don't he, I don't care about our age difference, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was like, well, I can't do this. And so he's like, okay, I have to go. 
and he really fucking left. And so then like four, three months went by and I was like, whoa, like I had a lot of realizations and everything. And like mm-hmm. the way I shut him down was totally inappropriate on my heart. I, I didn't do things the way I should have done them. How long were you dating? Uh, I guess honestly for on and off like a, like seven or eight months. almost Yeah. Like we spent a lot of time. And together. what was the age difference? 16 years. That's nothing. I've dated bigger age differences. I know. I just, my soul couldn't get over it. I could, I even talked to my, what I'm saying is my therapist. I never want you to be hurt. That's not what I'm saying. These rules that you set with 20 year olds. Yeah. This is the first rule that's being come back. That's coming back to you. Yeah. That's the part that I'm saying. I like is only because in my opinion, you like controlling these situations and I think this is the first one that's been a little out of your control and it does hurt, but I think that that's good to be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I had, a, there was a lot of lessons cause I was a smitten talker to him mm. and I didn't know it and I got woke to it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just it, now when we discussed it. Just now on a different level. He's like, oh shit. Yeah. Just now on a different level. I gotta level. call my therapist. But I realized it just one day out of the blue and that's when I wrote him an apology. Sterling. Ariel. You know what I just love? Me. Me. Of course, but also, I love not having to worry about putting unclean products in my body. Well, then you must love Lola. You're picking up what I'm putting down. Lola is a female-founded company offering a line of cotton organic tampons, pads, liners, and all-natural cleansing wipes. Ooh, tell me more. I'm so curious about the entire female experience. Are you? I've heard that before. Well, I also love how Lola is BPA-free tampon applicators. And what about women that are sexually active? Do they have something to gain from Lola products, perhaps, Ariel? Of course, Sterling. Every woman knows how important it is to have great sex, but also have great safe sex. So Lola offers sex products made with women in mind. And it's about time. And you know I love lube. That's a mess free. I like the lube that's like not going to ruin my sheets. And Lola's personal lubricant features a mess free one click pump system. And it's made with 95% organic ingredients. We love organic. We love Lola. Lola's amazing. Where do I get these products, Ariel? Well, funny enough, right now, for 30% off your first month subscription, visit mylola.com and enter Spiritual 30 when you subscribe. Again, that's mylola.com and enter code word Spiritual 30 when you subscribe. Enjoy. Hey, Ariel. Hey, Sterling. Guess what arrived at my door yesterday? A puppy. No. My candid starter pack. Oh, my God. You're finally going to have straight teeth for the holidays. I know. By the way, I do have kind of straight teeth. It's just the bottom that kind of crowd a little bit because I never wore my retainer when I was in high school. I know. You've told me a thousand times. You're so excited about candid aligners to fix your bottom row. I know. I'm excited. But what was so cool is like it comes in such a simple like introduction package everything is right there it's like 
three steps and then you're on your way to straighter teeth. So I already did it. That's amazing. It was so easy. I couldn't believe it. And even like I was kind of worried if I was doing it right. So I called Candid and they're like a really cool person picked up. It wasn't like, hey, hold for 10 hours. Like I just talked to a human. You mean like an experienced orthodontist who is licensed in your state to create a custom treatment plan and they show you a 3D preview so you can see how your teeth will look when you're done? Yeah, that's exactly right. And guess what she told me? She told me they're going to be comfortable, removable, and completely invisible. So I'm excited about that too. It's all of the bowls. It's all of them right there. And for our listeners, Candid costs 65% less than braces. So that's that's a huge savings. And with each liner purchased, Candid donates $25 to Smile Train, who brings safe, 100% free cleft lip and palate treatment to children around the globe. I love that. Me too. So I'm very excited that you're going to be photo ready with your photo ready smile by the holidays. And guess what? Everyone listening, you can too. Go to candidco.com slash spiritualgasm and use code spiritualgasm to get $75 off. That's amazing. That's candidco.com slash spiritualgasm code spiritualgasm for $75 off candidco.com slash spiritualgasm code spiritualgasm what was your first romantic comedy that you wrote well, 10 Things I Hate About You. That was your first. Wait, isn't that's the that first based one that got, on... That's the first one um, that was sold and the first one that was made. Okay. Isn't that based on uh, high school, your your diary? Based on Taming of the Shrew. Well, yeah. no, I know that. But oh, the title you're... was based on, yeah, a list I had in my diary of things I hated about my boyfriend at the time. <laughs> that's amazing. Much longer list, but you know. So wait, this is a real life story. You had a boyfriend that you broke up with and then you wrote 10 things, or you wrote things that you hated about him in your diary? I think we we're still dating when I wrote that list, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How yeah. long did you guys date? It's my prom date. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And, and so that's what got the movie title, 10 Things I Hate mm-hmm. About You. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So you said like there was like a 10-year break from rom-coms. Now coming, they're kind of coming back, you're, you're saying. Do you think the dynamic of the entire uh, genre has changed? Being po or being a part of the Me Too movement that's happening and everything, like, do you find your writing style to be reflective of Me Too? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some things that are changing. It's funny because they just played Legally Blonde at Cinespia at the cemetery mm-hmm. last month. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw you on your Instagram and, that you're there. Yeah, it was so fun. Yeah, it was the first time I'd ever gone there. I was just like, I was just going to be a couple hundred people, experience. like sitting yeah. in the graveyard. It was four thousand people, like 4, people all saying the lines along with the movie, like yeah. in unison. It was amazing. Yeah, but when the scene came on, where you know, the professor is hitting on her. People are yelling out like, me too, asshole, fuck you. Like it was, wow. it was interesting to see. Because when the whole Me Too thing first came out, someone, I wish I could remember this writer's name, wrote an article saying like, oh my God, Legally Blonde was a you know Me Too prototype. Like, And they went through and described the whole scene where you know, he hits on her, she calls him an asshole to his face, she like steals his client and wins the case. And because yeah, I remember when that all came out, people were asking me to comment on it. And I was like, well, I 
I wrote a whole plot line about it. Like the yeah. whole third act of Legally Blonde is kind of about me too. Like this didn't just start. This has been happening for, you know, decades, yeah. centuries. It's just people are now getting in trouble for it. Wow. Yeah. I feel like if we wrote that scene today, like there would be, have to be some repercussions for the professor. I would uh, add okay. that in. Yes. Somehow. Yeah. And do you find that Me Too now influences your current writing? I guess to some extent is there's, you know, if you see a scene in a romantic comedy from like 20 years ago where a guy like throws a girl up against a wall and starts kissing her. Now you might rethink that, even though if that's what the girl wanted or if it's a sexy in the moment thing, you would want there to be a little bit more notion that consent is involved. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Yeah. Right. So you just add a line of some form of consent when that makes mm-hmm. interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I love that though, because then it makes me go, well, wow, we never thought about repercussions back in the day mm-hmm. I, I mean even though it still was mm-hmm. happening back then which is why you wrote it it's interesting to hear you say well now i would add in repercussions which is great as there should be but as soon as you said that i was thinking like yeah i've seen that movie a hundred times and i've never once thought like well what's going to happen to the guy you right. know yeah which is so interesting so yeah Could because you, nothing ever did happen to right the guys that's what i'm saying then. is that i didn't yeah. even think to go that extra step yeah. because it just wasn't happening right I remember when I was in my 20s and every job I was sexually harassed at, I would just leave. And like, finally, this headhunter was like, why do you keep leaving these jobs after like two months? And I'm like, I don't like my boss. And she finally said, you have to stay someplace for six months or else I can't place you anywhere else. Wow. But it never occurred to me to say, well, he made a joke about why I should give him a blowjob. Like I never, because I was like, what's going to happen? Nothing. Nothing. Right. Yeah. And wow. if anything, you'll be punished. Right. So it's like, you hear what, that, what game do you want to play? That's illegal to do to make a joke about a blowjob. You can't do it. Can't yeah, do I remember it. it vividly. I um, I asked him if I could leave a little early that day. And he said, honey, get underneath my desk and you can have anything you want. <gasps> right. And I just picked up a book off his desk and I chucked it at his head. Good. And I walked out. But I came back on Monday because I was like, fuck, you, you this is my job. job. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. But yeah, that's so like... Ugh, it's disgusting. Could you do... Because you know what? We would never say that to a guy. If a guy can't... If we were a CEO... What would that sound like? He'd come in, he'd kind of leave early. Yeah, fucking rip down my panties and lick it, bitch. You can have anything (laughs) you want. (laughs) Like, we would never say that. And make sure you get my ass, too. We would (laughs) never say that. Um, Nor would we be taken seriously. What if if someone were to say, could you do a romantic comedy or any form of scripts that is educational and comedy about the Me Too movement? Would you be interested in that? Like do an entire movie about, I guess, the 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 uh, style of or Me Too. But make I don't it, know if you could do an entire movie about it, but certainly like a plot line. Yeah, for sure. I'll play the I'll play the douchebag guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I want to play the douchebag guy. Yeah, your deep I already I just auditioned. Really That's right. Burr, hey, burr, baby. Burr, burr, burr. And you, your lips become different too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pull my panties down slowly, and you can have whatever you want. All right. Eat the booty like it's groceries. There. <laughs> That's your bonus. <laughs> <laughs> We like to ask our guests on the show because the show is called Spiritual Gasm. We like to ask our guests two questions. What do you uh, find spiritually enlightening to yourself? Or what? when do you connect to your spiritual side? And also, when do you connect to your sexual side? I think kind of both at all times, honestly. Yeah? How so? Yeah. I mean, well, spiritual stuff, it's like, you know, when you're 
out in a beautiful place in nature, if I'm, you know, in the ocean, just floating in my pool or, you know, reading something inspiring, hearing an inspiring lecture. There's all different ways for that. But um, and then my sexual side is just kind of always a part of me. I don't really know how you disconnect from that. I mean, I have tried to disconnect from it and certain instances what? where I when I'm not, you know, seeing anyone that I have to be like, OK, going to think about something else for a minute. But <laughs> it just keeps Creeping back into my brain. Yeah, I think that's almost an unhuman, unhuman request to ask of ourselves. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting. You said something that for spirituality, you went straight to like a feeling, you know, floating in the pool, the ocean, nature, these things that clearly make you happy. And I find that so beautiful that that wasn't, you didn't even have a thought like connected to religion or church or mm. mantras or, you know, all these things that part of the reason why we ask the question is because we feel like the word spirituality and even sexuality can sometimes scare people or turn people off. Like, mm. oh, well, no, I'm not religious. Well, no, I don't like to talk about my sex life. And it's like, well, right. But I feel very sexual when I'm dancing. That has nothing to do with sex, you know? And But I'm also happy to talk about I think sex is beautiful and important to society. It doesn't mean I need to give away all my private details, but I think right. it's a cool conversation to have. I think we'd yeah. be happier a society if we talked more about it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's so cool that where your mind went to was just this this place that didn't have like it's something we all can atta yeah, attached all to like the label or the works. That's like exactly why we asked the question. But I, I'm also interested in the sexual side. How do you, whenever you're not dating someone, do you actually try to turn your sexual side off? Well, no. Oh, I mean, okay. it, I just. She's like, duh. Yeah, no. It's still there. You can't turn it off. Yeah. But I just try not to uh, think about it as much. Okay. Because I'm actually going through some stuff right now. Are you? Yeah. I, uh, I recently. I'm on dating apps, or I was, and then one of our previous shows, Ariel was, we travel a lot together, and she we're notices- We're great travel buddies. We're travel buddies, and so we, she notices that I'm on the apps quite a bit. Specifically and, one that gets his energy revving. Grinder. Does it begin with a G? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but it, get, it literally gets his energy grinding. I can feel it. It's like a rev. Yeah, and uh, so I deleted it, and I- Why did you delete it? Well, you actually didn't tell me to delete it. You just said... I inspired you. You inspired me <laughs> to... I don't use Grindr like a lot of... I don't have like just sex on there. I use it also to like have a connection and like He have has like people, really magical experiences. Yeah, I, I, I actually don't have sex unless I'm dating a person. But I do make out and I like hook up. But I, as far as actual sex, I'm very conservative on that. I remember. Yeah, so you do. And... Um, so it was it was acting as some form of I don't know it was doing something for me and so since I haven't had it there's just silence there mm. and so I've noticed a complete shift and I deleted all of them Tinder Raya all of them and so now I'm just sitting with a lot of silence and I don't really know what that means I, I, this might be a conversation for us on our own but do you do you ever experience silence with like being single or anything like that and what do you do with it because i'm at a loss right now like i'm not really for sure what I'm. i love to everything you're saying i don't I know think, what to do with the silence i think it's the most beautiful place to I, be in. honestly it makes me realize like well fuck am i alone am i lonely and so i've really don't you got <laughs> so i'm examining that now like my, well, yeah write in your journal during those times and figure it out what if i don't have a journal and i don't like my penmanship is terrible is there another suggestion like there's a 
thing called computers, computers where you can type. Computers, I can type. I'm a terrible <laughs> typer. Um, but I, you're saying just, just get it out of my... your phone, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. But the apps are such a time suck. That's why it's always such a relief when you find someone you like, and I'm like, great, I don't have to look at those apps anymore. I can fill my spare time with like exercise or you know yeah reading a book yeah because those apps will suck you in and hours it's go true. by hours i have to and say you're having it. meaningless conversations with people 90 percent of the time you'll never meet yeah and I, it's just exhausting yeah i've never been on one actual date from raya i've like scrolled through had a couple of cool conversations actually reconnected with old friends that i didn't realize like they were on i'd lost their phone number you know but um but i've never actually gone on one raya date but i did just get back from i was on vacation for a week and i wasn't really I was hardly on my phone. And when I landed last night, I mean, I was doing some work stuff, but I mean, as far as no Instagram or anything like that. And uh, when I landed last night, I realized I was like, oh, I feel like I've been gone for like two weeks because I had such a like brain checkout from those little daily tasks yeah. that really do suck our time and energy and keep us kind of on this rev. And like when I was away, I I brought three books with me, which like I never do. And it felt amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't a script. It wasn't an app. It wasn't whatever. It was like books that I am inspired by and love reading and like one of, one of, you know, whatever. Anyways, I feel like it's the same thing as you, you, even if it's the same amount of time, it feels like you have more time because there's like a space to fill it with something productive instead of being like, oh, well, I have two minutes at a stoplight. Let me check my, right. let me check Instagram. Oh, I'm at a red light. Let me check an app. Like, it's and just you're more different. focused on a task. You let yourself do something for a long, like read a book or lately I've you... been obsessed with jigsaw puzzles. <gasps> I love that. Because there's a sense of completion. Like as a writer, you write something, you turn it in, they give you notes, then you change it and then they give you more notes. It's never done until it's literally on the screen at the night of the premiere. Mm -hmm. But with the puzzle, like in three or four hours, you're you're done. And it's and creative. It's like, yeah. It like challenges your brain. Especially when I'm plotting because it's like, you know, writing a plot is solving a puzzle. So it's like engaging your brain in that activity, but in a different way. Interesting. But yeah, like if I'm on apps while I'm doing a puzzle, then I'm going to be like, oh, hold on. I just got a message from yeah. this fucking ding dong that right. wants to know how big my boobs are. Um, do they get, do guys ask that on, oh, on there all the time? Really? They just say how big your boobs yeah, guys get yeah. it together. Don't ask that. Right. For, Unless you first of all, you can see in the pictures how big they are. They want to know the cup size so they can tell their buddies on the playground or write it down in their Spider-Man diary. It's such <laughs> a juvenile annoying thing. I had to put it in my profile on one of the apps. Like if you ask me this, I will delete you immediately. Wow. But it's, wow. But, and you know, it's wow. it's not just young guys. Like, there was a we dude. We would never ask a guy's dick size. Oh, I know. It's That's like, the thing. You well, wouldn't? actually, well, maybe let me go back to my douchey character and then I will. Right. <laughs> hey, you want to take me to dinner? <laughs> First, you got to tell me your penis size. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work. No, not really. No, it doesn't but, work. But, <laughs> I mean, but yeah, so that's those are questions that you get asked on there, huh? Uh huh? Wow. I would just love to hear your responses to guys who make silly comments like that. Like, I bet you we do could make have, like a funny montage. Yeah, just like because <laughs> out of all the people I know, I I bet you have like the most brilliant, well thought out, educating responses for situations like that. I mean, because that's really sweet to be like, actually, that's the inappropriate time in crass. Like, I feel like. I don't know if a guy said, Hey, I'm really into sucking dick. I'd be like, and check. Like, that's it. I'm just mm -hmm. out. Like you're, that's yeah. yeah, not what we're doing here. Hey 
Ariel. I sure do like that top you're wearing. Ooh, tell me more, Sterling. Well, I think what I'm really saying is I, I like what's under that top. Yep, right there. If you were anyone else, I'd slap you. But since it's you, go on. I'm just saying, I feel like ever since you started wearing third love bras, like it kind of makes you all your clothes like even look better. Is that possible? You mean my shape? Uh, probably because I'm finally wearing bras that actually fit me for the first time. Thanks to third love's fit finder quiz. There's a quiz? There's a quiz. It's actually really fun. I do love a good quiz myself. All you do is answer a few questions to find your perfect fit. It takes about 30 seconds. And over 14 million women have taken this quiz to date. That's cool. And every customer has 60 days to wear Third Love. Wash it, put it to the test. And if you don't love it, return it. And Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. That's so effing cool. It's fantastic. And returns and exchanges are free and easy. I mean, it's hands down the most comfortable bra your own because you'll finally be wearing one that's fit and made for you. No straps, no slips. It's tagless, no itching. It's lightweight, super thin memory foam cups mold to your shape of your bosom. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering my listeners until Sterling starts wearing bras, 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash spiritual now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash spiritual for 15% off today. Sweetie darling, sweetie darling. Yes, Ariel. Go ahead. Do you have something to say to me? I do. I was just wondering if you wanted to spice things up in the bedroom, sweetie darling. Always. Well, that's fabulous because there's an offer you won't be able to resist. Right now, you can select any item for 50% off. That's 5-0% off, sweetie darling. Then Adam and Eve loads on the free stuff. We love loading on stuff. Enter code GASM at checkout and get a 10 tantalizing free gifts. A sexy item for him, darling. A special gift for her, darling. And a third item you'll both enjoy, my little darlings. And six free movies. Plus... Free shipping, sweetie darlings. That's Gasm, G-A-S-M, Gasm, G-A-S-M, at adamandeve.com, sweetie darlings. Are you okay? I just gasmed. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what do you feel like, can I ask personal questions as far as like, your process. I don't want to like give anyone your, your, your secret away, but do you, do you have an idea that hits you and then you go straight to your laptop and then you're just like, you just write like a, maybe like a five sentence idea, overall idea, or do you like just start with line one? Hi. Or like, how do no, what's your I, process? I usually know the, I mean, before I start with line one, I know what the end of the first act is going to be, what the end of the second act is going to be and vaguely the end of the movie and hopefully in the midpoint. And so that's I try to have like my little mile markers along the way before okay. I start. But your brain, you already have those acts lined out in your head. Well, sometimes you just come up with the premise and you're like, oh, that's interesting. How do I turn that into a movie? And then you kind of plot out the mile markers and then you fill in everything in between. Wow. 
Or sometimes just like a full scene will come to you. But usually, you know, at that point, I know who the characters are and what their objectives are and where they want them to go. Do you ever use your own experiences? Like, this might sound like a dumb question, but I have to ask it anyways. Speaking of dumb, Legally Blonde, just kidding. Um, but not really. So you were a member of the Women's Fraternity Alpha Gamma Delta, Gamma New Chapter. Like, was there any scenes in Legally Blonde inspired oh, sure. from... There was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like the scene where she's, like, voting on the toilet paper. That was inspired because our our custodial staff at the school went on strike and wasn't bringing us any toilet paper. So I made all the pledges go to the administration building and steal all of theirs. <laughs> That's awesome. Little things like that. Yeah. Little things like yeah. that became legally blonde. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And the scene in 10 Things I Hate About You where he gets a penis drawn on his face was it happened to a guy that I went to college with. He passed out and his roommates drew a dick on his face and then he... Woke up and walked across the street to 7-Eleven to get a big gulp without knowing it was on his face. A big gulp indeed. And uh, I just thought that was a hilarious image. And I put that in my little recesses of my brain and pulled that out years later. Put it in a movie. So yeah, a lot of little college things. Did you know anyone like Elle from Legally Blonde? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of like her a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of me and Elle for sure. Yeah. Very like optimistic and... If I decide to do something, it never occurs to me that I can't. And I carry my tiny dog in a purse, and I'm a blonde sorority girl. So. What's your <laughs> tiny dog's name? Her name is Lovebug. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So did you ever bend and snap? I did not, no. <laughs> Kirsten, okay. my writing partner, and I uh, came up with that in the bar at L'Hermitage. No way. Yeah, we were trying to come up with like I remember, a, a B that plot. Bar, that bar was a very popular bar. You know, now yeah, it's switched. Yeah, we had meetings there all the time. Yeah, me too. But now it's switched to like the Viceroy or something. Oh, uh, how's that? I know, but I, w- I missed the Laramatoire. We used to always joke with the bartender, there should be a plaque there saying this is where the bend and snap was invented. But he would just look at us like we were crazy ladies every time we said it. <laughs> How, guess, how did that? I guess we're not getting our plan. How did how was that. it invented? Like, did she say? Or we were uh, well, we were trying to come up with something uh, like a B plot for you know Paulette, the manicurist, and Elle's friendship. A and B plot, everybody. A yes, B plot. A B, B plot. Yes. And I was like, Elle should just teach her a move to get a guy, and then we were like, but it should be like a physical move. And then Kirsten just got up and she's like, something like this. And then she did it. And then we I, I forget if she came up with the bend and snap name or not, but she definitely came up with the move. And I was like, yes, yes, that. Just like write that down right now. We have to describe that. Wow. But she taught like the, the what's her name? Tony Basil did the whole choreography because we just wrote it as like a regular scene. And then the director, Robert, decided like, let's make this a musical number. And he hired Tony Basil and all these backup dancers. And That's so amazing. Kirsten had to show them the movie. It was really funny. Wow. But uh, yeah, Wait, that's who how that came about. Robert, Robert Lukatic. Oh, right, yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Um, I'm, I'm always more, I don't know if it's because of my brain type, but I'm always more interested in the process of how people get their ideas and everything. Do you, whenever you're on, once you hit send on your final period on your script and you send it away, do you just let it go or do you just like, are you very attached to it? How do you like, once it reaches into production, are you still married to it? Like, do you see them changing things? You're like, why the fuck are you changing that? That shouldn't be that way. I or- mean, less so as time goes on, you know, at first, the first couple of strips, you're like, oh my God. Um, but you know, as time goes on, you kind of get used to it a little bit more. But I mean, as a writer, you're creating a world, all the people in it, telling them exactly what to do and say. So you have like, the biggest kind of control freak 
fantasy of, you know, you're getting to create this and then you have to hand it off to people who can completely change everything you've done. Yeah. So you have to reach a level of balance in between that. Otherwise you're going to go crazy. Right. And have you ever written anything that you finished the project and you're just like, I don't like it. No, I usually find something that's great to like about it. That's I mean, huge. In order for, for me to, to say, in that. order for me to write it, I have to find some way to relate to the character. Like there's been rewrites that I've been hired for, um, you know, where I have really nothing in common with, it's not a thing I would do. It's not a, a thing that, um, you know, it's not an organic thing coming out of my soul as I'm writing it, but I find a way to find something about that character or the situation of like, okay, here's how I would react in that. Right. Here's how I would right. do this and to infuse it in there. Yeah. We have to go soon. I know we have to go, but this is, I feel like we could keep talking. I know. About we could I do know. this for like three this hours. This is like I therapy. It's it's like I so love it. You gifted us some wonderful <laughs> term here today. It's blown our mind. Talk. Let's I'm, make that movie on Netflix. Uh, exactly. I'm we'll star in it. Fully aware, <laughs> guys. Don't be smitten talkers. Or do and make a movie about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! Thank you so much. Thank yeah. You how for can we? I don't want you to go. How can we follow for our listeners who are obsessed with you? They want to write you. They want to tell you how amazing you are. What What's your Instagram? Do you, Are you even on Instagram? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. I mean, I know you it's are. But my is, name. Is it your, okay. And then I'm on Twitter too. I mean, obviously I follow you on that, but I'm, I'm saying for people that don't, um, and, uh, McCullough is spelled with an A H at the end. Perfect. Perfect. Do you ever go through your hidden DMS? I do sometimes. Yeah. It's, I always, I'm so baffled by that. Yeah. Um, most of the times there's one guy that keeps asking me why I took the kids. <laughs> Shut up. I'm like, does his ex-wife have my face and my name? Because it's clearly right here on the top of my Shut Instagram feed. Karen, I just want to see the kids. Why'd you take him? I've gotten that message like five times. That's then one of so his friends funny. DM'd me like, why did you take his kids? He just what? wants to see them again. And I'm like, oh. this is amazing. I just block them every time. Yeah. Like, oh my God. They have they the wrong Karen. It's so weird. I'm like, I don't really like children. Why would I take yours? Right, <gasps> right. Yeah, I do like children. I'm teasing. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Why'd you take the kids? That's amazing. That's, yeah, that's the weirdest DM I've ever got. Oh, we my have, gosh. Uh, one of my friends, uh, she actually admitted on the show that she goes to the DM and sometimes like we'll see if there's a hot guy. And if there's a hot guy, she writes them back. And um, I like that she admitted that. Which I is write cool. people back. That's do how you? I got my Volvo. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a longer story but i want to hear it <laughs> you're like people send presents if you write back of course yeah it's true it's it was, thank you, stolen, thank you culver city volvo <laughs> they dm'd me and i believed it was real and it turns out it was and i love driving in my volvo this is not an ad culver city volvo is amazing they gave you a free volvo she has an xc90 it's like gorgeous. the best volvo it. ever built i wanted an suv i wanted it safe i grew up with volvos they reached out it was a perfect match what could i say oh my god can you i mean thanks Volvo. that's amazing <laughs> yeah you know what i get offered in my dm is like nude shoots well you're hot but still it's like i'll pass oh <laughs> uh, karen i love you and i, I so you appreciate you coming and you'll have to come back and promote your next movie and yeah keep us posted or just talk about the next you know main topic and dating yeah in Los Angeles, huh? i mean these are all great <laughs> I mean, all ongoing i honestly and i'm not i'm telling you there are listeners today that were educated I hope and so. I really appreciate that. I want to hear yeah. about it. Yeah. So anyways, Karen McCall, follow her. She's amazing. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye.
Bye. She is even cooler in person. She's good. She's God, she's so open. I love that our guests are so open. It's, well, it's so because, cool. I mean, let's be honest. These it's are my we're friends. Annoying. These are my friends. Uh, Karen is a friend. And then honestly, like whenever I'm alone with Karen, you guys get real turned on. We get really deep with conversations. As I can see as, that. Yeah. Like with some sexual stuff. Because you know what I like about her? You can tell she's sexual, but she also like has her boundaries. She's smart as fuck. She's so yeah, smart. Yeah. I really appreciate that. She knows. Yes. Boundaries. Yeah. And to me, boundaries are a sign of intelligence mm-hmm. and self-love. Totally. And she has that. Um, totally. She also has a banging bod. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. I'm just throwing it out there. But, um, yeah. but no, she was amazing. Thank you. And the smitten talk. I feel like we need to start Ooh. hashtagging smitten talk. That is such a real That's a thing. woke moment for a lot of people today. I think so. I think people accidentally do it all the time. And then you're right. There's the people that know they're doing it. And I think they're probably laughing with embarrassment right now. Like, holy shit. I've done it. I, I never have, but I get it. I guarantee you've done smitten talk before. No, I haven't. But you know what I do that's not nice? What? I just go silent. Yeah, like that's if terrible. Someone, yeah, if someone's like, oh, I want to be with you forever. I just You're like, oh, my phone. I just don't say anything back. Right. Because I'd rather do that than not spit and talk. Well, you know what? I think it's a male thing. I think men are more into smitten talk. That's interesting. Yeah. What do you do? Am I going to get hate mail for that? I, I don't know. Let's <laughs> pull it and see if you suck or not. Pull it. Take a poll. I don't know. I just know. I know that when I've done smitten talk. I literally know the the science behind this. If you haven't cummed yet, you're more likely to have spit and talk. It's after come the you, word. Or what is it? Release? Came. Came? Release? If you haven't cummed yet. If you haven't. But after you come, I guarantee you there's no spit and talk. There's a chemical that happens. Or I would go one step further and say buff, when you're hooking up to get them to have sex with you, you spit and talk. And then once you get it, you're done. Once you come. Which is so rude. Once you come, the smitten talk is gone. So I know it's all chemical. It's all fucking chemical. So I'm not qualifying it. Just get woke about it, people. Yeah, I think we should. Let's continue the smitten talk conversation. I like that one. Right now? No. (laughs) I'm done talking now. (laughs) I just mean like to our listeners. Duh. Okay, sounds good. All right. Well. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Sterling, I guess I'll uh, see you around. Yeah, bro. Later, bro. (laughs) Yeah, bro. All right. Bye. Bye, y'all. Spiritualgasm is executive produced by Ariel Kebble, that's me, Sterling Jones, that's him, and Sim Sarna. Associate producer is Daniela Silva. Edited by Matt Sasaki and music by Josh Cook and Alicia Eagle. Spiritualgasm is a Cloud 10 production and is powered by Simplecast.